Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I'm your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and are you there? Are you listening? Are you really? Or am I just background noise while you work? Perhaps you just have this on in the car and you're thinking of warmer weather or whatever the heck you're going to do this weekend. I'm actually okay with that. As long as you're sort of half-listening, it still qualifies as listening. I would ask one thing. Perhaps give me three-quarters listening. Meet me halfway. I'd appreciate that. Anyway, I'll stop being ridiculous. Hi, how are you doing? How have you been? How are things? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Anything exciting? There's a lot of really exciting things happening in the Mimiverse right now, and I am here, of course, to tell you all about them in excruciating detail. So, I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm pretty sure you probably are. I'm making a new movie. It's called Demon with the Atomic Brain. I say this about every movie, but I mean it when it comes to this one. This is the best dang script I have ever written. Mitch Gonzalez, who is as much a part of what has gone into the look and feel of the Mimiverse as probably anyone, he seems to like this one. All the feedback I've gotten on the script for the people I've shown uh, seem excited. Now, whether or not they're all telling me the truth, I guess that'll depend on what you think of it when the movie's done and it comes out, hopefully, fingers crossed, later this year. So I'm making this movie called Demon with the Atomic Brain, and it stars a whole bunch of new folks... We did auditions back in December, and we populated more than half the cast with all new names and faces. I'm going to tell you who some of these folks are right now, simply because now that principal photography has officially begun, I feel like, after having worked with these guys a few times, that I should talk about how great they are. I'm really excited to be working with new people. I kind of fought the idea of adding new folks, figuring I had everyone I needed ever and I would never need anyone else. But the truth is, I'm really glad I added new people. It has provided me with a new sense of love for making movies. Simply because there are new challenges, and I don't know, there's there's an excitement level around this film that hasn't necessarily been there for a while. And that doesn't say anything negative about the folks who have been in this for years. I think it just speaks to the fact that perhaps some of us were, were growing complacent. Not anymore. I am having the time of my life working with these folks. And let me tell you who they are. First and foremost, our lead is an actress named Mandy Teets. She's not an entirely new to the Mimiverse, but has never actually been in any of the films, unless you include the Monster Phantom Lake, the musical performance DVD, which is technically not a Mimiverse film so much as, well, I kind of think of it as a solo project. If all the films of the Mimiverse, all the the main films, the 11 films released so far, were put out by the same band, the Monster Phantom Lake, the musical, would be like a solo album. Like if the bass player decided to make his own band and put out an album using some of the talents of the greater band, but really going off on his own and doing his own thing, that's what I sort of consider in my head the Monster of Phantom Lake, the musical performance DVD, which I'll talk about that in a second. But for now, Mandy appeared in the Monster of Phantom Lake, the musical stage production as Stephanie Yates. So she has a nice tie to the Mimiverse, but Demon with the Atomic Brain will be the first time she will appear in one of the official timeline Mimiverse films. She is playing Dr. Adams, and I will say it right here now, she's doing a fantastic job. She is fun to work with. Easy to work with, too, which is which is nice. So welcome aboard, Mandy, if you're listening. Next up, we have Tyler Haynes, a really nice guy. 
doing a great job. He's playing the character of Agar. He's kind of the comedy relief, one of the two male leads. I gotta say, uh, it's a funny story about uh, Tyler and his audition. He showed up at the very end, as we were wrapping up the night of auditions. He sort of snuck in as we were putting everything away. And he came in and gave the funniest of all the auditions. And he had comic timing and presence and, and charm, sort of what we were looking for. He's playing one of the military characters, and a lot of the military characters in this are very serious and by the book. He is definitely there to be the funny guy, and a little bit that character is to speak for the audience when put in these fantastical situations. He's the guy who's like, are you kidding me? Really? This is, wow, no, this is not cool. Again, he came in at the last minute. Everyone else had 10 minutes to do their audition. He had five, and he just kind of nailed it. But there was another guy, I won't tell you his name simply because he didn't get the part, but another guy who auditioned who did a really, really good job for that character. So I was kind of on the fence about which one to pick. So we did a callback audition where they came in and read opposite Mandy because the two characters, Adams and Agar, sort of play off each other. He's always making dumb jokes. She's always sort of throwing it back at him, and there's a bit of a, a banter there. And I wanted to see which one sort of fit better with Mandy. And the first guy came in, and he, he seemed a little stiffer than I, I wanted the Agar character to be played. He had the charm, but not the comic timing, per se. Tyler came in and, and knocked it out of the park, and he's a very nice guy. Not that the first guy wasn't, but Tyler just, he kind of fit with the Mimiverse mentality. He had what I will call a touch of Shervin in him. Dan Shervin, you should all know, played Howard Johnson and the Johnson Brothers uh, and has been in several Mimiverse films. And he has a certain presence and a certain look and a certain something that is Shervin-ness, for lack of a better term. Tyler had that to a certain extent. He's got a somewhat similar look, a somewhat similar, I won't say air about him because that sounds bad, but uh, I think you know what I mean. There's something about that that worked. It appealed to what it is I wanted for that character, and ultimately, we gave it to Tyler. Next, we have Jeremy Frandrup playing Sergeant Carlson. The character of Sergeant Carlson is the leader of the group of the military guys leading this expedition. He had to have, for one, an air of authority, but also the character is very serious, and he's the guy who sort of keeps everyone else focused, even in the, in the face of some really crazy stuff. And so I needed a person who could exude the confidence and authority needed for this character. A couple people came in and, and, and were pretty good until Jeremy came in. And he gave this super intense monologue, which was like, okay, he's got the intensity down. It's important. And then we had each person who was in the audition read a chunk of dialogue from the film. And there is a piece of dialogue, which you will see when the film is done. It's a small monologue that the Carlson character gives. It's very intense and kind of dark. And I had each person who I thought had a Carlson vibe read that. And Jeremy basically read it exactly how I had heard it in my head when I wrote it. Pretty much from that moment, I was like, yep, this is the guy. Plus, he has this sort of classic early 60s vibe. I don't know how to describe it other than he just sort of fits the era. He's very easy to work with, and he really is giving me everything I could have wanted out of this character. He's got presence, and presence on screen is 
is difficult. And that's the thing about my three leads here, Mandy, Jeremy, and Tyler. They all have presence. Mandy, for instance, has to carry an entire film, basically. She is the main character. And she's doing it. Right now, we've filmed about about a quarter of the script. And we'll be filming through much of the spring, and they're kicking butt. And I honestly could not be happier. And at least as of right now, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm pretty confident it'll be fine, but we'll see how it goes. As of right now, I would gladly work with these folks again in any capacity. After that, we then have Brian Gibson, who is playing Dr. Denning. Brian came into the audition, and literally the moment he walked in the door, something about his look and the way he carried himself and maybe what he's wearing, I don't know. I asked him, I said, have you ever heard of the Canoe Cops? And he said, no, I have not. And I said, that's okay. They're characters from a couple of my films, and they're kind of fan favorites. Uh, I said, there's something about you that says, if I ever finally put the canoe cops back in a movie, I'm going to make you a canoe cop. I don't care if you can act or not. There's just some about you that says canoe cop. And that's a good thing. And he just sort of smiled and was like, oh, cool. Basically, I kind of said, you have a job no matter what. <laughs> as long as I put the canoe cops in something ever again, you're going to have a job. So he launches into his monologue. And he gave what I would say is the most brilliant monologue ever for an audition. If only because... It was the perfect length, and in that short time period, he covered multiple emotions, thus giving me and the group of folks who were helping me with casting a good idea of the guy's range. He was funny. He had a sad moment. He had a you know, serious moment. He had, I mean, it was drama, comedy, everything you would want to give you a good idea of how well this actor can handle these things, and it was magnificent. Immediately, I thought, yeah, okay, this guy would be great for this scientist role. He's, he's got a good science quality to him, and he's got a cool voice for it. And so I had him read some of the Dr. Denning character, and honestly, as soon as he was done, I was like, yeah, that guy's probably going to be Dr. Denning. We had a couple other guys that were good, but not quite what I was going for for this character. He nailed it more than anyone else and just did a really fantastic job, so... I'm really happy to be working with him. And honestly, I could easily see myself working with him again on something other than a Canoe Cops, whatever the heck I make Canoe Cops related. Perhaps someday I'll make a Canoe Cops movie. I'll just never tell you about it. And then suddenly be like, oh, hey, by the way, next week we're debuting a new movie called The Canoe Cops. We'll see. Uh, then also we have Addison Pennington, uh, who has one of the coolest names, Addison Pennington. Sounds like he should play football or be a captain of a yacht. Addison came into the audition, didn't have a lot of experience uh, acting, but he came in and did a great job. I mean, the guy's got natural talent. He's crazy tall <laughs> and has a really cool military look. Now, the guy was actually in the military, so that works very well. He has an intense presence and an enthusiasm level that goes above and beyond in a way that shows me that he's really excited to be in this, and that makes me really excited to have him in this, and it feeds into my excitement about doing this. Welcome aboard, Addison. So far, he's only been in a couple scenes I've filmed. Most of the scenes he's in actually won't be filmed until about early May, so I can only give you the impressions of what I've done with, with the guy so far, and so far I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, there is one more who I have not yet worked with. Her name is Michelle Mackey. She came to the Mimiverse as 
a friend of Catherine Hansen. You all know who Catherine Hansen is. If you don't, you should see a couple of my films and then get back to me. Michelle has worked with Catherine extensively in the theater, and she came in and just gave this cool audition. She has a really awesome voice, and it makes her almost a little mysterious, which sounds really strange, but she just had this something that grabbed me, and I was like, God, you know, she's got it. Everything about her was like, yes, this would work for this character. On top of all that, when I was doing these auditions, some of my thoughts were focused on the future. I wanted to cast people who I could not only use for this film, which is going to be amazing, but for potential future films as well. And every single person that we've added to this stable of actors, as of right now, I would absolutely, as far as I can tell, work with again. And I hope they're having as much fun as I am. And I hope I'm coming off as at least semi-competent in what it is I'm doing to hopefully entice them to come back. These are the new folks. In addition to them, we got some returning faces and names that you will absolutely recognize. Catherine Hansen, for example. Mike Cook. James Dear God No Norgard, Mark Hader, Michael Kaiser, of course, as, as the monster, Stephanie Mim. You all know that name. If you don't, you should pay attention more to the end credits because she does a lot of stuff. She admittedly does not get the recognition that I think she deserves for all the things she does do. But uh, she does them, regardless. And so she'll be in it. Um... Christian Finch is back again. Christian Finch, of course, is known as the guy who played Herr Gruber with the Schwarzenegger-style accent from Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter. He will be back playing uh, one of the soldiers as well. I think that's... Oh, no, there's one more person. Bob Gilbert, the man who is better known as the official horror host of the Mimiverse, Dr. Bob Tesla. Now, technically... Mr. Gilbert, is not new to the films. He provided the voice of the monolith that Danny Johnson had to play missile command against to defeat, while simultaneously lying to his grandkids in the future about what really happened. So he has technically appeared in a Mimiverse film, but only as a voice. So he's kind of new, but not entirely. He's also, like I said, the official horror host of the Mimiverse. So, eh, yeah. That's it. That's the main cast. There will be some other performers playing faceless monsters and such, but until we actually film those parts, I'm not entirely sure who those people will be. There's a good chance that Elliot Mim, who has played Danny Johnson in several of my films, uh, will be playing one of the creatures in the scene we're filming in a few days here. So beyond that, that's the cast of Demon with the Atomic Brain. We are filming it right now. It is coming together beautifully. I encourage you, if you haven't already, to read the March issue of the Mimiverse Monthly Newsletter because, starting this month, I've added a section of the newsletter in which I will be interviewing the new people to help you get to know them better before their big debut, ideally later this year. In the meantime... I would like to encourage you to contribute to the production of Demon with the Atomic Brain. The scope of this particular film is larger than I've made probably since The Giant Spider. So we need every penny we can get. If you'd like to see your name in the end credits and you would like to help get this movie done, please go to demonwiththeatomicbrain.com or sainteuphoria.com slash contribute.html and 
you know, throw 25 bucks our way. You'll get your name in the credits. You'll get a cool certificate signifying that you contributed to the film. And you'll get a copy of the movie when it's done. Also, you can pre-order tickets for the world premiere should you want to attend. Where and when that'll happen is going to depend on when the movie gets done. As long as everything stays on course for filming, I'm thinking late September, early October again. Although, I want to start pushing things back in such a way that I can sort of get us back into spring. We always had really good luck premiering in the spring. I'm not saying the world premiere of Where Skeeter Nazi Hunter was bad, but attendance numbers were certainly down, and from what I hear, mostly it was due to the fact that it was in September. So I want to start releasing movies again more in the spring, but I don't necessarily want to lose my movie a year thing. So either I'm going to have to find a way to make another movie this summer so that I can release it next spring, while simultaneously finishing up Demon with the Atomic Brain, or I'm going to have to creep the release dates back, say, a month every year, till we sort of go around the bend, so to speak, and start coming back around. <laughs> Maybe release this one in October, then next year in November, then the following year in December. And see, this is where it gets messed up, because the following one would be then released in January, which means that you would have a year without a Mimiverse movie. I don't like the thought of that. I don't know if you like the thought of that. I don't. I think I'm going to realistically have to find a way to start filming something while simultaneously finishing up another film. I don't know if that'll be this year, although I have an idea of how it could, but we shall see. So again, please contribute to the film. Moving on, we have something very cool coming up here very quickly. If you're listening to this in early March 2017, on March 11th. We will be celebrating the release of the Monster of Phantom Lake, the musical performance DVD. I personally filmed five performances from last July when we did the short run of the musical. And over the course of several, several, several months, I edited all of that footage down into something rather spectacular. It really captures the essence of the show. And I'm really quite excited for everyone to see it, both those who were able to make it and those that couldn't and are excited to finally experience it. One of the goals Adam Bull and I, Adam was the guy who wrote all the music, had for the performance DVD was that we didn't want it to be the middle school throw the camcorder in the back of the gym and film everything from one single angle with terrible sound and just release that. We wanted something that actually looked a little more professional. And I think I pulled that off. It's certainly not Disney quality, which is to say it's not what you're going to get if Disney were to film the touring production of The Lion King, for instance. You're not going to get that. But it is much higher quality than the middle school throw a camcorder in the back kind of a thing. I've seen it several times now that it's complete, and it gives you a very good representation of what it would have been like to have been sitting there in the theater enjoying this show. The sound quality was better than I ever thought it would be because we didn't have the best sound recording equipment available to us, but I think I was able to tweak things and get things to work in such a way that it really does sound great for the way we did record it. I was able to really salvage something quite good and i'm really very happy with it and i know you will be too 
On March 11th at the Little Grand Theater in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, we'll be having a DVD release party. We're going to watch the DVD and, and sell stuff and cast and crew and the orchestra and people involved in the production will be there. I will be there alongside several recognizable Mimiverse faces. It'll be fun. If you are listening to this and you were involved in the production of the play, if you were an actor, a crew person, or in the orchestra, you can get in for free. If not, it's 10 bucks at the door. It's at 1.30 p.m. on a Saturday, March 11th, two days after Monster Day 2017. Come on down, party with us a little bit, and uh, enjoy the show. Also, and this is very, very important for you to understand and, and know, this event marks the first Mimiverse event where there will be an exclusive Monsters of the Mimiverse trading card. They will only be available at this event. Limited number. If you are someone who has ordered one of the base sets of the Monsters of the Mimiverse trading cards and you want to get this one, either you got to show up or find someone you know who can go there and pick it up for you. Maybe you di- Or if you are one of those people that maybe doesn't have the trading card set but is considering picking it up, Maybe go to the thing, pick that up, and then buy one of the trading card sets, which will be available at the event. And you can get the set plus the exclusive. Or maybe you're one of those people that just wants to pick up the exclusive and then sell it online for a profit. That's certainly doable if, if you so choose to do that. However, it does not change the fact. You must be present at this event to get the card or have someone you know pick it up for you. It's the only way you're getting it. I'm not selling them online. Plain and simple. It's the only place you're going to get it. So if you ever want one, these are going to be the rare ones. If you want to get one, make sure you find a way to get there. Lastly, in regards to the Monster of Phantom Lake, the musical, on March 9th, the DVD will be officially released. Not only on SaintEuphoria.com, but also on Amazon. You can pre-order copies of the DVD right now at SaintEuphoria.com. Or, right from the March issue of the Mimiverse Monthly Newsletter, all of the copies will ship out on or around Monster Day, the 11th anniversary of the release of the original Monster of Phantom Lake, the movie. That's all I really have for what's going on in the Mimiverse. We're making a movie. It's coming together beautifully. We got this cool thing. There's some events I will be appearing at in March. I will be back in the DFW area as a guest at AllCon. March 16th through the 19th, come on down and we'll be showing a couple of my movies. I'll be selling DVDs uh, in the vendor room and signing autographs. And I'll have a couple panels talking about movie making, etc., etc., etc. Come on down to AllCon if you're in the area and say hello. Uh, and I will have with me for the first time the new Monster Family like the Musical DVDs. So if you got everything else, come on down and pick up your copy of that. On March 25th, I will also be at EgoCon in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. One day con, real low key. Uh, I think at 3 o'clock on the day we'll be showing a movie. Come on down, stop by the table, buy some stuff, come see a movie, hang out. See you at EgoCon in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Before we turn it over to Dr. Bob for his quote-unquote joke, instead of reading angry Amazon.com reviews of my films, I've decided instead to turn it over to you guys. A few days ago, I put out a call on the Films of Christopher R. Mim Facebook page asking people to 
tell us what your favorite Mimiverse film is and why. We got a couple responses, and I'm going to read those instead. Because, honestly, I'd rather hear from you, the fans, and get you involved in this than uh, give airtime to a bunch of discontented, angry Amazon.com customers. Because what does their negativity get us? A few laughs, sure, but at the same time, why should we care? So, here we go. I'm going to read four of these, and I'm not going to read every single word they wrote. Really just get down to the main crux of what they're going after here. I don't want to hold you any longer than I absolutely have to, so you can get back to your busy life and going to demonwiththeatomicbrain.com and contributing to the film. So the first one comes from Jacob Brasser. He says, My favorite Mimiverse film is a complete tie between Monster Phantom Lake and Attack of the Moon Zombies. I love the others as well, but totally appreciate the style and deep-in-the-heart love of the movies emulated of yore when movies were movies, not just a marketing campaign, and when art was art in the genre of horror and sci-fi. Excellent choices, Mr. Brasser. Next up, we have Richard Haugland. He says... Hmm. It boils down to three movies for me. While I love Rachel Grubb in Cave Women on Mars, the overall movie is not quite as good as my numbers one and two. I loved the giant... He actually wrote loved. I loved the giant spider with the best effects you have had in one of your movies and great overall feel, but it narrowly loses out the top spot to Danny Johnson Saves the World. Great dialogue, good acting from the little mims and their friends, and a cool story make it my favorite so far. Up next is Jeffrey Long. He says, House of Ghosts. Horror has always been my favorite genre, so of course my favorite Mimiverse films tend to be the horror ones. But House of Ghosts especially, I felt, was not only a great Mim film, but also a great William Castle throwback and a genuinely creepy, spooky, and atmospheric movie. Thank you, Jeffrey. And finally, Bob Arndt, who, in the interest of full disclosure, is both my wife's first cousin and has appeared in a couple of the films. Uh, Bob says, My favorite is The Giant Spider. One reason is that it is a film that I can watch numerous times with family and friends. It's both funny and thrilling. The locations where filming was done made it look like a bigger budget film. The dialogue is not too long, but still is long enough to get you connected to the characters. The pacing is perfect. The spider did a great job. The face chosen for the spider was perfect. This one is firing on all cylinders. Thank you, gentlemen, for your input. We will try this again next month, but perhaps I will ask a different question. I would like to get you, the listeners, more involved in the Mimiverse and this audio cast. Because ultimately, as I stated was my goal for the year 2017, I wanted to not only take over the world, but make you, the fans and friends and all the folks who are listening to this, all the people who have seen and have enjoyed any of my films, to get you more involved, to build a community around these films and bring back the fun of monster movies. That's all I'm trying to do, honestly. For now, let's hear what Dr. Bob has to say. Take it away, Dr. Bob. <laughs> it is I, Dr. Bob Tesla, with your Mimiverse Joke of the Month. Rick Edison was such a bad student when he was in school that people referred to him as Scuba because all of his grades were below sea level. Make sure you come out to the Gateway Film Center on March 11th when we will be showing everyone. 
It's a dimension-jumping movie from two 17-year-olds in Norway. Ooh, mysterious, foreign, ooh. You also have until March 11th to vote for what was the best movie we showed in the first five seasons of Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob. You can vote on our Facebook page. Christopher R. Mim has five of the ten movies that it could be. Thank you, Dr. Bob. That joke was both funny and not. Usually in this part of the show, I will read something. For many episodes, it was the ongoing Canoe Cops versus the Mummy serial, which, as you may know, is now available in print. Go to Amazon and search for Canoe Cops versus the Mummy and buy a copy. All the money from that goes into author Stephen D. Sullivan's pocket, and after all the hard work he did on that, he deserves it. Buy a book. Throw some money his way. Maybe he'll write a sequel. Maybe he'll write some more. Who knows? Maybe he'll write something else in the Mimiverse. We will never know until we throw enough money his way to make it worth his while. I have also used this part of the show to read a cool piece of fan fiction written by superfan Dakota Hardesty. That was cool. I also read a very bleak story from back in the day. I also read one of the scripts I wrote for my somewhat abandoned project, The Phantom Files, which was my version of The Twilight Zone. Every month now, I'm sort of scrambling to figure out what would be entertaining to throw in this section of the audio cast. I was having a conversation with someone recently, and we got on the subject of bad art we made as teenagers. And I jokingly brought up that I've written a lot of bad songs that sadly still exist to this day. If you can find them or if you own them, good for you? Question mark? To say most of what I wrote was of questionable quality is an understatement. <laughs> anyway, we got in this discussion about the things you do as a, as a moody, hormonal teenager. And in addition to the teenage propensity for writing bad music, <laughs> it goes hand-in-hand hand with writing bad poetry. When I was a teenager, I used to purposely write bad poetry. Because I just wanted to be a cynical, sarcastic ass. So I would write bad poetry, and I would do these little poetry readings, and, and they were always meant to be awful. When the Mimiverse Bonfire podcast first began six years ago, one of the segments we would often do at the very beginning of every episode was, I would write and read a bad poem because I am a bad poet. Sadly, that sort of fell away. A lot of people liked that, but we just sort of stopped doing it. So I decided, for fun, because of this conversation I had, I would write some bad poetry just for you, the listeners of the audio cast. I have written four bad poems, and I would like to read them to you right now. I really need your attention, though. Because these may speak to you, and they may move you in some sort of significant way. And I want to make sure that you catch every little word, every little nuance of how I read them, because they may speak to your soul. Or you may laugh at them. It's up to you. Here it goes. This is Bad Poetry 
for March 2017. The first poem is called Enlightenating. And it goes something like this. I am enthrilled by the apoplexicon of incandescation. My heart tubes are hard-wired for ping-pong. I am re-edified in your pink-spanking re-articulatory stimulactation. My mind reels like a fish on a hook in a bay filled with tapioca-flavored tears. I am adjustified by the think tank of floral hygiene. My feet, my hands, my mouth screams silently. Take my fishing pole. Yep, let that sink in for a second. That was that was something, was it not? That was something. All right, the next one is called A Million Needles of Nothingness. It is my ode to all the bad poems written during adolescence. A Million Needles of Nothingness. And it goes something like this. Pain. I ache. You wound me. I have been wounded. I try. I am. I do. You do not see me. You do not listen. M stands for monarchy. For you are the queen of this tiny patch of dirt that is home. O stands for oppression. Oppressed I am in this home. M stands for mine. Car keys. Freedom. You have stolen my freedom. And I am broken. I have been wounded. You wound me. I ache pain. Yep, that's A Million Needles of Nothingness, my ode to the horrible poetry of adolescence. Next up, I wrote a short one. It's called The Faucet. And it goes something like this. Drip. 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 Blop. Someone needs to turn off the faucet. That's that. Okay. Moving on to the final one. This one is called You Are. And uh, I think this one will really eat your soul in a way that I don't know that you'll be the same after it's over. It goes something like this. You are not. You are is. You can be. You can not. You are me. You are not. You can call if you're bored. 
Thank you for listening to the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I appreciate your time, and I hope I have entertained you a little bit this month. I will talk to you next month, and hopefully we'll have a lot of cool updates on the status of all the cool stuff happening right now in the Mimiverse. I hope to see you this month at an event. If not, come to one at some point. Before I go, remember, as I always say, be good. But if you can't do that, be good at it. Talk to you later, folks. (laughs) 